tonight's reading is found in 1 Peter, verses 3 uh, to 5. <laughs> Definitely 3 to 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the word of God. Good evening, everyone. It's a blessing to be with you all. Always such a privilege to preach us in all dates. And tonight, I want to ask the question, how can we live in hope in light of the resurrection? How can we live in hope in light of the resurrection? The Apostle Peter, sometimes known as the Apostle of Hope, wrote this verse we've just heard read to us. In God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. The resurrection is the rock-solid foundation of the Christian faith. It's the raising up and the victory of Jesus Christ over sin, over shame, over Satan, and over death itself. And the resurrection was the beginning of a new creation and a hope-filled future for all who believe in him. The Heidelberg Catechism summarizes it well. First, by his resurrection, Jesus has overcome death. Second, by his power, we too are already now resurrected to a new life. And third, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. And as Peter states, when we become Christians, we are born again into this living hope, birthed into this new glorious reality. And Peter uses the phrase living hope. And I love that phrase because it teaches us that hope is not just a concept. It's not just a doctrine or a theological position. Hope is a person. Jesus himself is our hope. Charles Spurgeon said, without Christ, there is no hope. But our hope is living. It's alive because Jesus is alive. And in him, we have hope for a future resurrection and an eternal inheritance in heaven. But Jesus is also our hope for this life. He's our hope for right now. The resurrection of Jesus means our present life should be shining with hope. Hope points to the ongoing victory of Jesus over darkness. Hope celebrates the goodness of God bursting forth. Hope anticipates blessing and life. Hope knows that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And hope prepares our hearts for great faith because faith is the substance of the things hoped for. Paul wrote to the Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to overflow with hope. We are children of hope and we are to be a beacon of hope to a hopeless world. But is that our reality? Is that always our lived experience? Think about this week. On a scale of one to 10, where would you say your hope levels are at? Think of a number. 
It's a war, isn't it? Hope is contested territory. The darkness of this world can blind us to hope. We can easily lose sight of who we are, of who God is, and lose sight of the resurrection, the victory of Christ over all. Many of us will have been through seasons where we've battled with hopelessness, but it's really dangerous to camp on hopelessness for too long because our hopelessness can actually become a bigger problem than the problem itself. Because you can't move forward without hope, you can't fight without hope, you can't have faith without hope, and hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you're waiting, but if you lose sight of hope, you can become emotionally sick. We all need hope. And hope is what we have in light of the resurrection. I asked the question at the beginning of this talk, how can we live in hope in light of the resurrection? And I believe the answer is this. We live in hope by lifting our gaze. Paul wrote to the Colossians, if you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. If you have been raised with Christ, then look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus, our living hope. And the more of a battle you may find yourself in, the more important it is to lift your gaze. The deepest darkness cannot snuff out the candle of hope. Think of Daniel, thrown into a lion's den by King Darius. Darius didn't want that to happen. He was tricked into it by his courtiers. But Daniel was cast into a pit in the ground and a stone was rolled over the entrance. And Daniel found himself in absolute pitch darkness and left with nothing but an enveloping sense of fear and dread. Imagine the terror of having starving lions approach you ready to claw you to pieces. Imagine the stench of death in that place. The human remains, the rotting, chewed bones. It's a scene of complete despair, raw dark hopelessness. I imagine one minute in that lion's den felt like an eternity. And Daniel had to spend a whole night in that nightmare. But by the grace of God, he survived. And in the morning, the stone was rolled away. The light flooded into that dark pit. And Daniel looked up. And what was the first thing that Daniel saw? He saw the face of the king peering in. And Daniel was lifted up and raised back to life again. Have you ever found yourself in a lion's den with a stone rolled on top? Some of you will know what I'm talking about. When you are in darkness, when you are in the proverbial lion's den, when you are in a place of hopelessness, the most important thing is like Daniel to look up and see the face of the king. For Daniel, King Darius was the one who'd given him everything. He loved Daniel, he favored Daniel. Darius had spent the night fasting and weeping for him. And in the morning, the king ran to Daniel to roll away the stone and lift him up. And we have a king who runs to rescue us, who rolls away the stone and who lifts us up. If you have been raised with Christ, then look up and see the face of the king. 
when Lazarus died during the time of Jesus, his family lost all hope. They thought Jesus had arrived too late to save him. They thought God had let them down. Lazarus had been placed in a cold, dark tomb, again with a stone rolled over the entrance. He sank further than Daniel, further down into the pit to the point of death. What hope was there for Lazarus at that point? None whatsoever, until the king arrived. He commanded the stone to be rolled away and raised Lazarus from the dead. And what was the first thing Lazarus saw as he came out of the tomb? Like Daniel, he looked up and he saw the face of the king. It was a face that was streaked with tears, a face of compassion, the face of the one who loves his people and the power of resurrection life was flowing from the face of Jesus. Proverbs 16 verse 15 says this, in the light of the king's face is life and his favor is like a cloud with the spring rain. There is life and favor in the face of the risen king. And that is where our hope is located. If you have been raised with Christ, then look up. Hopelessness dissolves in the face of the king. You cannot look up at the face of Jesus and leave feeling hopeless. It's absolutely impossible. Oswald Chambers in his well-known devotional wrote this, in a fading light, the one thing that remains is looking to the face of God. It's impossible to sink when you see his smile. The very countenance of the king can lift us out of the darkest pits. Corrie Ten Boom, whose faith survived her experience in the Nazi concentration camp, said, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. The psalmist Asaph, singing of the bread of tears and the broken walls of Israel, cried out, O Lord God of hosts, restore us. Cause your face to shine upon us and we will be saved. Salvation, restoration, rescue, hope radiates from the face of the risen king, the one whose countenance shines upon us. But sometimes hope has to be fought for. Paul wrote that we hope in the glory of God but that the knowledge, and that the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face of Christ. Yet sometimes there are dark clouds we have to push through to see his face. When you're feeling hopeless, when you're pressed from every side, you may have to press in in worship to get a clearer view of the king. You may have to contend. You may have to wrestle in order to really fix your eyes on Jesus, you may have to worship him until the clouds part. King David wrote this, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. And Psalm 71 says, as for me, I will always have hope, and I will praise him more and more. Praise brings us before the God of hope, which is why God promises in Isaiah to give us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And sometimes being a Christian comes down to this ground zero, no matter how challenging things are, I will simply choose to worship 
and I won't stop. I will keep worshiping. I will keep looking up until I break through to hope. And one of the Hebrew words for hope actually means to push through tension, push through the tension and the resistance of the dark clouds with worship and come before the face of the king. There is no tribulation on this earth that can stop any one of us from worshiping God. There is no darkness that can stop you from finding the light. There is no pit in the ground that can stop you from lifting up your gaze. Habakkuk 3, 17, 18 says this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Have you ever felt like the fig tree is not budding in your life? That there are no grapes on the vines, no sheep in the pen, that the crop has failed? If so, the only thing to do is set your heart to worship. Look up and see the face of the king shine upon you and let him awaken your heart to hope again. Think of Paul and Silas. They were thrown into a prison like Daniel, surrounded by evil beasts, severely flogged by rods, their flesh torn by the claws of persecution, stalked by Satan, who is described in Scripture as a roaring lion who roams, seeking whom he can devour. And then they were dragged to the inner cell, the deepest, darkest dungeon, their feet placed in stocks. They were in pain and they were in darkness in the pit but they would not let their hope be quenched. They contended, they fought for hope. They turned their hearts towards the face of the king and they chose to worship. And we don't know how long they worshiped for, but they kept worshiping until the earthquake came. The doors flung open and the chains broke off. They worshiped until King Jesus rolled their stone away, and he lifted them up to life again. And not only did they encounter the face of the king, the jailer also saw the face of God in their faces. And he asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? You see, our hope sets other people free. And as we seek the face of Jesus, Our very countenance is actually transformed by his countenance because you reflect what you gaze upon. As Paul wrote, those who behold the Lord are transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And as the psalmist says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. So if in life you've been through a season where you've taken a beating like Paul and Silas, never look down with shame, but look up into the eyes of the king. Keep praising and never give up. What if Paul and Silas had stopped praising after just a few minutes or not worshiped God at all? What if they hadn't persevered until the earthquake came? What if they'd just given up? Would they have still got their breakthrough? Would they have still been delivered? How many times have we missed our own breakthroughs 
because we've given up praying or worshiping just before the point of victory. Perseverance is so key in the kingdom. After Paul went through this prison experience, he would later write to the church in Rome telling them to praise God through every suffering, to keep going until they arrive to a greater place of hope. As he wrote, we glory, that means we praise, in amongst our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Keep praising until you reach a greater place of hope, keep praising until you're ready for breakthrough. Hope is actually a stewardship issue. We are personally responsible for the level of hope that we walk in, that we carry. And we grow in hope every time we worship, we grow in hope every time we look up, but we also grow in hope by having a renewed mind. Paul wrote to the Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hope runs on the train tracks of a renewed mind. Truth attracts hope. The more we saturate ourselves with truth, the more hope we encounter, which is why the word must shape us more than the world. The news will drag you down, but you can't read your Bible and not increase your hope levels. Psalm 135 says this, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Truth attracts hope, but lies attract hopelessness. There's a fantastic quote from Francis Frangipane, who's a pastor from the USA, and he says this, any area of my life that is not glistening with hope is an area where I'm believing a lie and is a stronghold of the devil. Think about the different areas of your life. What areas of your life are not glistening with hope? God's design is that every part of our lives should radiate with hope. But we don't often feel that way. And one of the primary reasons is that we we so often believe lies without even realizing it. But lies are the root system of hopelessness. And if you believe a lie, you empower the father of lies. I once spent a season asking God to show me and reveal to me every lie that I was believing. And it was quite a sobering experience because over several weeks, whether I was hoovering the floor or having a shower or whatever I was doing, these lies would just start popping in my head that had been buried deep. And most of them, I had no idea I was even believing them but I was given the chance to start replacing some of those lies with truth. And as I did so, I noticed that my hope levels were going up. I've learned this, we can be a new creation in Christ, we can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we can be um, declared righteous, filled with the Spirit, we can have a glorious inheritance in heaven, but we can still have a hard drive between our ears that's just full of lies. When I first became a Christian, I thought that spiritual warfare was all about fighting the enemy, but my real enemy was my enemy. It was my unrenewed mind. So I had to learn to flush out the stinking thinking and renew my mind and start to see life through the lens of hope. 
The goodness of God is the cornerstone of a renewed mind. Life can involve suffering, and with some of the things we go through, we don't always get an explanation of why they've happened or why they're happening. And there are some things we may never understand this side of eternity, but we can anchor our faith in the certainty of God's goodness. And when we put our hope in him, we will never be disappointed. Romans 5.5 says this, and hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And this is why we look up, because all of that love, all of that goodness, and all of our hope radiates from the face of the King. Psalm 4, 6 says this, many are saying, who will show us any good? Where is the goodness? Where does good come from? Who can show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. His goodness is discovered in his countenance. So if you have been raised with Christ, then look up. I'm going to draw this to a close now. I'd love to invite the worship team up and finish with this quote from Toyohiko Kagawa. He's a Japanese Christian author, and he wrote this, The darkness is a holy of holies of which no one can rob me. In the darkness, I meet with God face to face. If you find yourself in darkness, if you're in a foul pit like Daniel or feel like you're in a cold grave like Lazarus, if you've taken a beating like Paul and Silas, or if you are just in a desert season where the fig tree does not seem to be budding, and where there are no grapes on the vine, then look up, see the face of the risen king and discover that the one who left his grave can take you out of yours. Amen.